Big Year Podcast contains adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Podcast is a recovery podcast about making this year your big year to embrace your freedom from alcohol and tear down the limits you put on yourself. Yo, what up? What's happening? It's Danny Bell uh, coming at you live from Ecuador. Actually, I spent all day trying to work on this podcast, and the neighbors downstairs were playing some fucking music, so I couldn't fucking record, and so my caffeine wore off, so I sound a little fucking weird. Um, It is what it is. What is that fucking noise now? What the fuck? I don't don't know. It's it's fucking Ecuador, man. Anyways, uh... It's Wednesday, February 8th. I'm 230 days without a drink from my sobriety date of June 23rd, 2022. Let me tell you what's been going on this week. Problems. Problems this weekend. Uh, Really starting this weekend until um, last night. uh, Really depression, madness, insanity uh, came to a head. Like I said last night where I just admitted out loud and to someone else that I wanted to drink and I wanted to drink badly, Um, you know, okay, why? You know, it's been 230 days. Well, frankly, I'm tired. Keep getting the fantasy I can wash it all the way with booze, which of course I can't, or that it'll give me some sort of a clean slate in my mind with all these pressures going on. Um... Let me step back and think objectively, which, you know, as an argument for alcohol giving me clarity of thought, like I can wash it away and suddenly uh, everything will become clear. (laughs) It's a fucking joke, right? Um, Alcohol does the exact opposite. So basically the devil was after me. I don't know if you believe in that kind of thing. I'm not sure that I do, but the devil was after me. Uh, last few days, and uh, just deep, deep, deep depression, which I've suffered from, you know, all my life. I'm, I don't take any medication for it. Um, kind of a Tom Cruise kind of guy. No, not a Scientologist, but I'm, I'm not big into the psych- uh, psychiatry uh, community line of thinking uh, at all. Um, but you know, side effect of that is that, uh, sometimes I get real fucking depressed. So, um, I've been putting myself under a lot of pressure recently, especially in regards to writing and creating things. Um, I feel like I'm on sort of a deadline because of the money I saved for this long writing break I've been taking, uh, at the beginning of the year for the next few months. Um, that money will run out. Then I'll have to go back to work. Boo. And then, uh, I don't know. It's awful. Everything is awful. So anyways, I tell all this stuff to my wife, and I start almost crying like a baby, uh, just really upset and frustrated. And while I'm talking, I realize that I'm massively fucking dehydrated and also really hungry. And there's this thing in AA, they say, uh, halt. Hungry, angry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. H-A-L-T, halt. It's an acronym, right? Like, you're at risk for having a drink if you are any of those things, okay? And I think I was all of them. I was hungry. I was angry. I was feeling lonely. I was tired. Uh, My wife starts joking with me about what a big baby I'm being. It talks about how much better she likes me now and and, uh, how we're going to get through it. Um, I'm not ashamed to say there was some sex involved after that. That was nice. Uh, then I ate something and drank some water, and I'll tell you, I felt totally fucking different. I, I just told my wife, I said, look, these problems that I'm having right now, I know they don't have to lead back to drinking, which is just going to make everything worse, uh, but they are problems, and they need to be addressed. I've been really depressed lately, and I don't really get it, and she said, okay, good, let's figure it out, and that's what we've been thinking about, or I've been thinking about at least since that conversation. 
Um, and I could have gone really bad last night. I could have ran out, you know, there's plenty of places around here, corner stores within walking distance to sell beer, shit like that. Uh, but I want to share a few reasons why it didn't go badly. Um, one that I'm clued into HALT being a thing, that acronym, um, it's a powerful acronym, you know, some of that shit sounds really corny, but it, it works. Um, believe me, HALT is a fucking thing. It's a fucking thing. Okay, I learned from years of going to AA on and off uh, that 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 acronym there. So that was super helpful. One of the great benefits of uh, the program, if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, so if you're feeling a particularly strong craving, try the following: eat something, reach out to somebody, just go to f- fuck to sleep uh, if you have to, you know. Or I would add, just uh, drink some water, a lot of water. You know, drink four fucking glasses of water. Just slam it down like you used to slam down fucking booze. You fucking lush. (laughs) Anyways, I reached out to somebody, quote-unquote, and my wife. She was able to put it into perspective for me uh, through our conversation. I won't get deeply into that, but this is always an option for everybody. Some of you uh, are—I'm sorry. This isn't— always an option for everybody some of you are desperately alone for one reason or another and i get that Uh, trust me i've fucking been there okay um for like a decade or more you know at a time so but look this is why you can find some kind of program um for yourself try to find somebody in that program to reach out to whether it's a sponsor or a friend uh find find a find a person you know find somebody vent there's a subreddit i don't know if you're into reddit but uh there's a subreddit called stop drinking um you can post stuff on there if you if you're not comfortable talking to people in person or even if you are or whatever it's a great place man you would be surprised how many people are part of that subreddit and um how effective it's been to a lot of people uh to help them keep 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 quit basically um and, and you really have to love yourself enough to reach out. You know, my wife, she didn't blow my mind with wisdom, though that can happen from somebody that you talk to, sure. Uh, she didn't say just the right thing, okay? Mostly she just listened. And after I said my piece, I felt better because I got it off my chest. She let me rant, and sometimes that is enough. Now, that ranting is not always enough, and I think that's something worth addressing in a future episode but my point is i'm feeling good today i'm feeling optimistic and most importantly i did not drink yesterday and i certainly ain't gonna motherfucking drink today okay hooray all right so what else um about my week i found out that there's another big year podcast out there but it started literally the week after mine that sucks uh that really sucks. I don't know. It, it apparently makes a little more sense than mine as well because it's about some concept in bird watching. It's a bird watching podcast, right? Called the Big Year Podcast. The Big Year uh, is a concept in bird watching where you try to see as many different birds as possible in one year, and you're like checking them off a list or something like that. I don't know. The podcast sounds tight. If you like birds. I urge you, in fact, if you're into bird watching, check it out. But um, I think I better submit this podcast to iTunes and all those other places before this bird watching motherfucker does, because uh, if he beats us to the punch, we are fucked. Fucked, 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 fucked for people trying to find this good recovery help. So, you know, I could bow out, but technically, uh, I posted my first episode like seven or eight days before this guy did so sorry um that's how my week has been going what's been going on in your sober life what's been going on in your alcoholic life uh drop me a line big year podcast at gmail.com and we can talk about it reach out reach out to somebody reach out to me reach out to me i'll be there right that's a good song Okay, all right, let's get into booze in the news. 
This is from the BBC, uh, an article I just read today, posted today, uh, February 8th. Um, Why the BBC? Aren't you from the United States? Yes, that's fine. It's the fucking BBC, I don't know. They got all the good news right now that I keep finding. It was the BBC last week, it's the fucking BBC this week. What do you know? Okay, the title of this is called The Scheme That Gives Alcohol to Alcoholics. What? Uh, By Lucy Adams. And and what is not part of that title there? But yeah, anyways. Let me just read you the first part of this. In the first project of its kind in Scotland, a project in Glasgow aims to stabilize alcoholics by giving them alcohol. What? It is 10 o'clock, and Peter is getting his first pour of the day. An agreed measure of lager seemed deemed sufficient to curb his cravings to binge. Peter is 60 years old and has been a chronic alcoholic since he was a teenager. He is one of 10 men at the Managed Alcohol Program, MAP, in Glasgow, which is based on a model used in Canada. Uh that I visited three years ago. That's the author speaking there. Um, It is for the most chaotic homeless alcoholics who have already tried and failed traditional abstinence programs. Every hour or two hours, the residents are given a measure of wine or beer to keep sufficient alcohol in their bloodstream to prevent a seizure, but not enough to get them drunk. In addition, they get a home, stability, and some structure, the chance to engage with mental health services, and develop their interests. The proposal was controversial with some, some, but now has been up and running for 12 months. Um, and then they go into some case studies and some successes and one that was less of a success, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But what do you think about this? <laughs> the scheme that gives alcohol to alcoholics. I mean, I guess it's nice that you get them, A, off the street. Uh, if they're, you know, like it said, the chaotic homeless alcoholics. Um, and obviously, um, you don't want them to die. So they do have to be able to drink a little bit so that they don't go into full seizures and, uh, die. Um, I'm not sure about the science, but I would think that there's a detox for guys like this, but there's, uh, maintenance. There's this idea of maintenance as well, you know? People that are into like uh, Suboxone, if you're a heroin addict or something like that, or morphine, or no, what is it? Not morphine, methadone. Yeah. And you go into the clinic, you know, and you get your fix, and you're just maintaining, and it's kind of kind of curbs some of the uh, I don't know chaotic uh, issues that spring from drug and alcohol addiction, right? Uh, I think it's a decent idea. I don't have anything particularly against it. Um, Let's take a look at some of the case studies. They have a guy, uh, Peter, who says um, that this program has helped him quite a lot. My mic just fell down. Podcasting problems. Okay. Um, He says it's helped him a lot. Uh, he's gone to the dentist for the first time in decades, started eating meals, getting in touch with his family, quote-unquote, after years of silence and shame. Every Monday he has a music lesson. I ask him where he would be if he wasn't here. I'd be dead, he says, because I just kept doing it, buying a drink. This has helped me a lot, this place. Okay. Um, eight months after entering the program, he's talking about getting a flat of his own and, and a dog. That's interesting. Then it goes into Paul's case. Peter, Paul. Um, Paul is an interesting guy. Paul drinks lager throughout the day um, in the program. 
And they have this quote from Paul that I really, really liked or thought was interesting. It says, I am a wee bit happier, believe it or not. But the thing is, when you come out of drunkenness after 20 or 30 years, then your regrets come back as well, he says. You realize what a mess you've made of your life. And then the guilt comes in. Okay. Paul says he feels much more positive about his future. But just the next day, staff say his drinking and behavior spirals out of control, and he is asked to leave the project. Okay, so they kicked Paul out right after interviewing him, uh, where he felt optimistic, and yeah, Paul had a nice big mood swing, and now he's back out on the street causing trouble, causing chaos, uh, committing crimes, and possibly, you know, kidnapping babies. I don't know. Whatever this guy is up to. Um, actually my thoughts and prayers or whatever are with Paul, um, I feel really bad about this when I read this and I know how he feels, um, this idea when you come out of drunkenness after 20 or 30 years, then your regrets come back as well. You realize what a mess you've made of your life and then the guilt comes in. Um, does that sound familiar to anybody listening to this? Sounds familiar to me. Guilt's a terrible thing. Guilt and shame are a terrible thing. And they can get you back to uh, drinking in a heartbeat. And actually, that's part of our topic today for the reflections and stuff that I'm going to get into later. But I just thought that was kind of sad with Paul. Um, A little bit more about how the program works. Uh, The men choose and buy their own alcohol and pay for it with their benefits. So if I was in the program, I could be like, oh... Look, all I drink is steel reserves all day long. That's what I want. But they actually pay for it. I would actually have to pay for it with benefits that I'm receiving from the state. Now, there's a, there's a really big economic, a really good economic argument for this kind of program. Um, that argument being that basically when you're out on the street and you're causing chaos... Uh, the cops come and get you. The ambulance often has to come and get you. Then you go to the hospital. Then you're in detox or some kind of, you know, I don't know. Just the state is spending massive amounts of resources on you. And, and we have a, actually a, um, a quote from her, uh, Karen from Karen McCluskey, McCluskey, the head of Community Justice Scotland, who is behind uh, piloting the Canadian model, this this um, MAP program. She analyzed the cost to emergency services of these men street drinking before they entered the project and believes the cost of not having the MAP would run into millions of pounds. She says, one of the men that I, I looked at had been taken to Glasgow Royal Infirmary by ambulance over 400 times in a period of two and a in a bit years that must be a scottish thing two and a bit two and a bit years one of the men that i looked at had been taken to glasgow royal infirmary by ambulance over 400 times in a period of two and a bit years she tells the bbc that is extortionate i mean serious amounts of money probably millions <laughs> Okay, this is a woman speaking like that, apparently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's costing a lot of people money. So, um, And and then there's just this fantastic quote to close out the article. Uh, the tears of their children and families would have made them stop, but they can't. So we have to try to give them less. <laughs> So they're they're doing the alcohol maintenance because the tears of their children and families just ain't enough. And ain't that the fucking truth for you for all of us out there with a drinking problem. If my daughter, for example, I have a daughter, if she would have uh and she probably has done this, looked me straight in the eye and said, Daddy, I need you to stop drinking. I would have figured out some fucking way to still be drinking. I'm not saying that I would have cut her out of my life. I am saying I would have figured out by any means necessary, whether I would have had to lie, uh, you know, most likely hide it and lie, 
you know we'll do whatever it takes by any means necessary we will get a hold of that bottle okay until sobriety becomes more important to us which thank god for me it is right now right okay so that's the news pretty interesting program that they're trying out over there in scotland i wish them good luck um i hope it works out uh, and like she said it's kind of seems to be already saving money over there so for the state saving taxpayer dollars that's always a good thing i guess all right so good luck to them up next we've got a reflections <laughs> Reflections. 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 Shut the fuck up. Okay, this is going to be a tough one today. We're going to get into the weekly reflection right now about uh, which, you know, it helps if I still tell a story from my life of back in the drinking and drugging days. Maybe you can relate um take something from this ridiculous tale uh the topic this time is going to be or the title i guess uh, rock bottom number 665 um this actually came from me thinking about the concept of rock bottom because someone had given me a question for dear danny that said something like what was your rock bottom inquiring minds want to know um <clears throat> And I read that and I said, oof, do I even believe in rock bottom? Haven't I experienced so many fucking rock bottoms? The phrase is almost meaningless. And that's why the title here is rock bottom number 665. There's been a lot of them. Um, And talking about them, it's kind of a private thing, but I will tell you, everybody's rock bottom is different. And like I said, I've been there several, several times. I have lived at the fucking rock bottom, like, daily, um, for years at a time, (laughs) okay, um, my, almost my entire 20s was a rock bottom, I'll put it that way, but, um, my 30s, I started coming out of it a little bit, but I had several rock bottoms in my 30s as well, um, I remember one time, and uh, this is this is yeah, going to be a hard story to tell everybody. So, you know, buckle up. Uh, the absolute most embarrassing thing that probably ever happened to me. And I've been locked up several times, had the fucking DUI and all of that. And one of the worst things um, that I went through probably had to do, to do with family. Because friends, you can kind of jet the fuck out and never talk to those motherfuckers again. But family, they're always around, right? Uh, luckily they've had the good grace not to mention this again, but yeah, um, I, I keep waiting for it (laughs) in the back of my head somehow that somebody will just bring it up, you know, maybe when I'm like old and gray, hey, remember that time you blah, 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 blah. Okay. So anyway, someday decades ago, I was at my sister and brother-in-law's house. Uh, they had this little duplex, right? And by this time I was comfortable uh, with bringing over a few tall boys when I was there, drinking them as I went, and then driving off drunk when I got bored of those motherfuckers, you know, those motherfuckers being the family that loved and cared about me. Um, but that I, you know, I got on their nerves quite a bit back in the day because I was always pretty fucking drunk, and I was always pretty fucking opinionated, and I needed to be heard, seen, you know how it is. So, anyways, um, I try not to go over there unless I was drunk or some kind of maybe a family obligation, somebody's birthday. I didn't like being there, so I would drink a lot when I was there. Um, And that day I was on that uh, fucking uh, Steel Reserve High Gravity Malt Liquor, and I just drank, I don't know, like three cans of it or some shit in a half hour. Um, That's enough to get you fucked up. I hadn't eaten that day. I was dehydrated. It was the middle of the afternoon in the summer. Um, I, I've been drinking for days and days, obviously, you know, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I, I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but I did not take a day off until I quit drinking. You know what I mean? Uh, it's an everyday thing. Okay. So uh, anyways, um, I put on the TV, I laid down on the couch, put on the TV and just passed right the fuck out. I mean, probably within 10 minutes. I was probably watching uh, Viva La Bam. Okay, that was a show I liked back then. Wow. 
Uh, I get that good hardcore nap in. And then when I wake up, I'm soaked in my own fucking piss. Okay. I look around. Uh, there's somebody, my dad, I think, on the lazy boy next to the couch. And then there's the rest of the family in the kitchen. I don't remember who all was there, but it was like five motherfuckers. Okay. Five, six motherfuckers. All close family. So I'm there with piss on my pants and I feel under me. And yeah, I soak down the fucking cushions. I mean, it is horrible. I've got a blanket over me. Um, because the blanket is done on top of me, the blanket is dry, so I kind of look dry to the outside world, right? And I know that heat will fix this shit, maybe, like heat. <laughs> heat is the key in this situation. It won't fix the smell, but it might dry out the wet spot, and then I can claim, like, I didn't know who did that shit. Maybe it happened a while ago. Maybe it was the cat, you know. I'm looking at the cat just fucking plotting on blaming that motherfucker, okay? Hold on, my phone's ringing. I'll be right back. And we're back. Um, anyways, <laughs> where was I? Um, plotting. Anyways, yeah, I'm thinking about blaming it on the cat, basically. Uh, you know, if the cat gets hemmed up in the crime here, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm not even thinking the way that, like, the way my sister is. She probably... She probably put the little fucker to sleep if it pissed on the couch, but I, I don't give a shit about that, okay? So I'm, la- I'm laying there trying to think hot thoughts, you know, under the blanket, laying there just on this soaked-ass cushion. People want to sit down on the couch, too. I just have to pretend I'm sleeping every time they come over, like I can't move or I won't move. Um, I think my brother-in-law's brother comes over and pushes my feet off the couch and is like, hey, make room. Uh, I'm not about to leave my wet cushion, so I'm like halfway off the couch, you know, feet off the couch, but still lying sideways, miserable as fuck. He gets up after a while and leaves, and thank God they all get up, and they say they need to go somewhere. The whole family's going for a drive or to the store or some shit. I don't remember, but, you know, I'm thinking it's a miracle. I do remember that. You know, oh, my God, thank you. Like, leave the house, and everybody left. And they're like, oh, you want to come with us? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. No, I'm all right. I'm, I'm just not feeling so good. Um, and as soon as I hear that car leave the driveway, I jump the fuck up and start to search the house for a hair dryer, okay? Um, yes, a hair dryer. Plug that shit in next to the couch. Run it on high. I'm trying to dry the cushion. I turn on the TV, and I'm watching TV to kill time because this is the most fucking boring thing in the world to try to dry the fuck out of a cushion with a hair dryer. I got this whole technique down pat by now, though. This isn't my first fucking rodeo. So I push the hair dryer in between two cushions and turn it on high. You know, the thing is practically burning the fucking cushions. It's so hot. And I do this for like an hour. But, uh, they come back home. Okay. My heart drops when I hear that car come back in the driveway. I hear the voices, you know, echoing the car door opening, closing the kids yelling, the screen doors opening now. Oh my God. They all come back in. I jump back on the fucking couch, cover myself up with the blanket again. I can just feel the piss seeping through the top of the couch into the back of my pants still, which, you know, my pants are still wet. Genius. I am. I, you know, kept my pants on, but I mean, who brings a change of clothes over to, uh, like, a visit during the day to a friend's house? You don't bring, like, an extra pair of pants, but at this period of my life, I should have probably brought extra pairs of pants with me every everywhere I fucking went. Anyways, they all come in. I'm fucking frozen on the couch, you know. I spend about another hour, hour and a half sitting there in terror, trying to just conjure as much heat up from the atmosphere as humanly possible when I realize that there's just, there's no escape, okay? I could have ran off as soon as they left. Um, That maybe would have been a better plan. At least I wouldn't be there to see their reaction, but now I am truly fucked. Nobody's going anywhere for the rest of the day. Somebody's going to sit on this fucking couch if I get up. And I can't lay here forever. I mean, it's going to take days to dry this piece of shit out. Uh, and it, I'm talking, like, by now it's like 4 p.m., okay? So my dad comes and sits down in his spot on the Lazy Boy, and he turns on the TV, and he's right next to the couch, and he's just doing the dad thing, you know, back before streaming services. People would just channel surf all fucking day, right? 
He's just ch clicking through channels, clickety, 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 clickety. I decide I can't bear it anymore, and I just kind of whisper over to him, like, hey, you know, you gotta help me. And he, he's, he's like, annoyed. He's just barely paying attention to me, just clicking through the fucking TV and gives me a stern, like, what? And I look at him with fucking tears in my eyes, pleading, like, hoping he'll look at me and see the desperation in my face, you know? I fucked up, like... I fucked up so bad. You gotta help me. You know they're gonna they're gonna fucking kill me, which is which I really believe uh, at the time is true because my sister and her husband they keep their place, uh, even though it's a duplex and it's uh, it's fairly humble, you know, place. They keep it pretty fucking nice and clean, spotless. And I'm this dirty motherfucker that basically fucked up the center of the living room. Uh, while a bunch of people are over, right? My dad's annoyed and irritable like usual, and I should have known better, but he's already like, you know, what is it? What's the problem? What What are you talking about? You know, compassion. He's not. He's not. He's not good with compassion or like social signals, or social. What do they call them? Social cues. Okay. Um. It's just really not a strong suit to be, like, tuned in to, like, what's actually going on. Uh, I'm just desperate to do anything out of situation. Should I just go for the truth? I'm just like, look, I pissed all over the couch accidentally. It was an accident. I got too fucking drunk in the middle of the fucking day. I don't know what happened. I didn't even drink that much. But you got to help me smooth this over. And my dad, um, God bless his soul. <laughs> Uh, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? And people pick up real quick on that, like 10 feet away in the kitchen, that something isn't kosher. This is a really small place, right? This whole drama has been playing out where, like, the living room is right next to the kitchen, which is right next to the bathroom, which is right next to, like, the entrance to the house, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they're already yelling, like, "What? wait, what happened? What happened over there? What? Huh? And you know that kind of embarrassment when your face feels like it's on fucking fire? Yeah, I like I almost leapt out the fucking window at this point. You can imagine. Um, I looked over at my dad. He's looking at them like pointing a fucking finger at me and saying like, I don't know. He pissed all over your couch. He said, I don't know what's wrong with him. And uh, my brother-in-law, who I've always been sort of intimidated by, pushes by all these horrified faces of all the other family members. Is like, oh, let me see what's going on here. And then he sees what happened and he fucking just freaks the fuck out. Not just like not just like what the fuck like the worst possible freaking out you could imagine i mean he's screaming like you fucking disgusting piece of shit what the fuck is wrong with you disgusting you piss all over this you piss all over that just fucking going off uh telling me to haul the haul the couch out of the duplex get up get up we're moving the fucking couch it means we have to take it down a set of fucking stairs I'm I'm saying like just whimpering how it'll dry and I can buy new cushions and it's all right like relax and he's screaming like no the whole couch is fucked it needs to go to the dumpster now and my sister is is by this time into it too just like horrified everybody's talking amongst themselves like I'd just been caught fucking you know a corpse or something I don't know I mean, it was it was over the top. Uh, we haul it outside. This fucking guy screams at me in front of the whole fucking neighborhood. This fucking piece of shit. I can barely I can barely talk about this because I'm actually still traumatized over this. It didn't end well. I think I think I literally cried outside in front of their house of embarrassment. And that's not as common as you would think. I mean, I was a pussy piece of shit alcoholic for sure, but I've never cried in, like, jail, for example, or cried in front of a judge or cried in front of the cops or cried uh, when I've gotten in, you know, a lot of situations. But I swear to God I wanted to take my fucking life that day um, right there on the lawn in front of the entire neighborhood. And I have... PTSD from this I fucking think about this sometimes like telling this story I feel like shit right now like sick to my fucking stomach so 
Um, this is called Reflections. So how can I reflect on this lovely tale? Uh, there's a lot to get into, but I want to just focus on one particular part for the purposes of our fucking show. Um, they talk in me in AA about making amends, and one of the things that would be on my list of amends, obviously, is to buy them a new couch one day, or that I should have bought them one if I had the money or whatever. Um, because I believe they did throw the fucker out. Like, I, th- I think they threw out the entire couch. And it was an expensive couch. Um, or it probably was. I don't know. It was my fault. You know, I ruined their couch. And someone shouldn't have to deal with the fucked up couch because of my shitty mistake caused by alcoholism and an avalanche of poor decisions. You know, I take responsibility for it. Um you know, so I, I, I'm pretty sure they had kids at this point too. I don't remember if the kid was there or whatever, but, uh, they had at least one and who wants to let the niece, you know, hop around in her uncle's piss every time she wants to watch fucking cartoons. You know what I'm saying? I dig it. I get it. But let me tell you something. Okay. Those people (laughs) in that instance made me feel so suicidally fucking bad about what happened. Uh, buying them out of the, uh, buying them a new couch was out of the question from that day uh, on to basically forever till the end of time. Um, I wouldn't buy him a couch if I took a sh- if I would if I had taken a shit on it. Okay, uh, with my middle fingers in the air, I wouldn't fucking buy him a new couch. Um, and that's just me. That that does not go along with the twelve step philosophy. Well, I'm not on this earth to serve people who treat me like an animal, okay? I have to have some amount of self-respect even through a circumstance like that. I have to hold on to a sliver of it. Otherwise, what the fuck is the point? Okay. And just so we're clear, I have a good relationship with them now. Still not buying them a couch. Uh, And they've changed a lot since then. But, um... Jesus Christ, that was one of my many, many rock bottoms. And guess what? I never, ever, ever have to be in a situation like that ever again now that I'm free from alcohol. Isn't that fucking beautiful? Isn't that fucking beautiful? Unless, of course, I become old and incontinent, and then, yes, maybe I will piss on their couch again. If they shame me again when that happens, that's between them and God. But I'll think of some sort of petty revenge, and I'll be sober anyways, and I'll come up with a better plan, like put the dog on the cushions when they come home and be like, holy shit, your dog just pissed all over the place. I tried to fucking stop him. He clawed the fuck out of me, bit me and shit. He's gone crazy. And maybe actually, like, get him to bite me so that, you know, it adds credibility to the fucking story. You know, punch the dog a few times. Who knows? I'm fucking kidding. I don't want any fucking messages from animal lovers and shit, okay? Relax. Relax. Anyways, that's Reflections. Jesus Christ, this will come back to haunt me. I know it. But it is what it is. Okay. Let's move on to Dear Danny, the final section of our show. Let's see. Man, I'm still reeling from that last section. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That shit fucked me up. I can't believe I'm putting this shit on the internet. But you know what? It was decades ago, so fuck you. You want to send me an email? Call me piss pants. You're like, hey, what happened to the couch, piss pants? You do whatever the fuck you want. I really don't care. Because um, it's time for Dear Danny where I answer listener questions in regards to sobriety or fuck it, life in general. Disclaimer, I am not a licensed professional. I'm just a man with an opinion, and you know what they say about opinions. They're like assholes. Disclaimer number two, this podcast is so new that I don't have any listener questions because I don't have any fucking listeners. However, I solicited my family and friends for any questions they might have, and we've got a few. Let's get into it. All right. Dearest Daniel, 
I'd got a lot of shame and guilt. Every time I stop drinking, that shame and guilt floats to the surface, and I start drinking again. How can I move past this and start to live my life again? Again. How can I, <clears throat> how can I move past this and start to live my life again? Okay. Yeah, we went over some of this in the episode. Um, but let's 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 just give you a specific answer to your you what you wrote. Um, first of all, I feel for you. I had this exact problem, and often some of that stuff creeps its way to the surface. It comes bubbling up. It's the worst fucking feeling. Um, I don't want to get too deep here because I suspect I'm going to build an episode around this someday in the future. Like I think I said this earlier, but generally what I need to do for me is uh, forgive myself. Okay, I need to forgive myself. I think most people who get past the mistakes of their past get past the mistakes of their past. Uh, get through it in that way it's only going to go away with self-love with giving yourself a fresh chance think of the guy on like say death row maybe killed a whole family with his bare hands he ate the children you know uh in a stew okay and then he goes christian you know he becomes born again okay under the christian religion when you're born again under christ your sins are forgiven like period okay i grew up this way i know this this is something you can't challenge me on this okay i know this um, your sins, they don't exist when you're born again. You're a new person. Um, and I have to imagine that, say, if this death row inmate accepts Christ and believes that he's born again, um, it's going to give him a certain sense of peace. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not particularly Christian or anything, but the fact remains you have to get born again any fucking way you can. Okay? Born again, you know. I'm not saying in the Christian sense. Again, it could be in the Christian sense, fine. But I'm saying you need to start, you need to live again. You need to create a new identity. And that's what I mean by born again. You can't let your past define you. If you are still living that stuff, you know, maybe you are that stuff still, you know. If you're an ex-gangbanger and you're still talking about fucking gangbanging every fucking day, why? You know, this is a genuine, real fucking question to you. Why? Why are you still talking about that shit if you're not a gang member anymore? You know, why are you still talking about alcohol every second of every fucking day and the mistakes that you made every single day to exhaustion? And I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about it. I think you should talk about it a lot. I think you should talk about it in AA, you know, certain venues. Uh, look at me, I'm making a podcast, okay? But... You know, you don't want that to be your full identity, man. You've got to have another identity other than just sober. I am sober now. You have to have a real fresh, clean slate. Um, you got to put it behind you. You're ready to move on, and you feel like you have a fresh, clean slate. I mean, I sometimes I, I think people get stuck in the past as sort of a procrastination technique, right? Depriving the world of their light and love in order to stay like back then. Instead of embracing and loving yourself, which is what it's going to take to make a positive change in the world and a positive change in other people's lives, okay? Nobody ever learned anything from someone who hates themselves, trust me. So, you know, please give yourself a chance. And like I said, I'd like to do an episode on this very topic someday, so keep listening. Um, I can't say exactly when that will be. Because I really need to, I want to give it its due. So I don't want to just bust out the episode or something like that. Um, and real quick, uh, there's other ways you can deal with this stuff other than being, quote unquote, born again. Um, creating your new identity. Um, therapy uh, is one option. Not an option that I'm into. But... You know, my, one of my sisters is a therapist, not the one that <laughs> shamed me about the couch, but, uh, you know, so you could also find your least uptight friend and tell them all about it. Sometimes that's not an option, um, especially if those friends are the people you fucked over in your drinking career. You know what I mean? The point is you've got to find a way to be reborn sober. Make it a priority. Make it the only thing you're concerned about. Uh, in your early sobriety, right? And 
you know, maybe not the only thing. Okay. Sorry, I had to cut in, cut back out there because people are coming home, people are leaving. It's a busy day here in the old uh, apartamento, departamento, sorry. Okay. Dear Danny, read any good books lately? Question mark. <laughs> nice question. Oh, shit. I read every day. A day without reading is a day that I'm bleeding, you know? Um, all right, that was ridiculous. Are we talking quit lit, though? As they call it, quit lit. Um, I'm a big fan of Alcohol Explained by William Porter. That kind of blew my mind when I read that. Um, I do like The Easy Way to Quit Drinking by Alan Carr. But I think his smoking book is a little bit better. Um, he wrote one of The Easy Way to Quit Smoking. That one was awesome in helping me to quit smoking. He wasn't a big drinker, so I couldn't really like identify with him. But he was a, a one hell of a smoker. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about that. But most of these guys nowadays, they they get their stuff from Alan Carr. Um, Annie Grace's The Snake in Mind uh, is basically Alan Carr. I mean, you're using logic to kind of think your way out of your addiction. Uh to get free um it works for some people works for me let's just put it that way as far as fiction um i'm currently reading childhood's childhood's end by arthur c clark uh the guy who wrote 2001 a space odyssey some sci-fi it's pretty good uh so yeah thanks for asking okay dear daddy i read that binge drinking is a problem amongst college students I went to look up the definition, but I found some conflicting responses. What is binge drinking anyways? All right, so this is something that confused me too. Uh, I legit thought my whole life that binge drinking was like when you drink for days at a time. Like you start Friday night and don't stop till Sunday night. Um, like day drinking, you know, crashing cars, falling asleep on the street. Um, boy, was I wrong. I went to the CDC website in response to your question, and I figured, hey, why not? They might have, you know, an opinion about this, and they do. Uh, the CDC's definition is defined um, as, and this is all quoted from their site, as consuming five or more drinks on an occasion for men or four or more drinks on an occasion for women. An occasion, okay? They continue. Now, that's the part that blew my mind. Five or more drinks. Okay. So I've been binge drinking every night for almost three decades, you're saying. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, the people who binge drink are not dependent on alcohol. Oh, no, no, no. No, that's not what it says. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Most people who binge drink are not dependent on alcohol. However, binge drinking is harmful on its own. It is associated with serious injuries and diseases. No shit. As well as with a higher risk of alcohol use disorder. Okay, so they're basically saying that uh, you can be a binge drinker, but not an alcoholic. And I guess that's true. Um, if you read Alcohol Explained, I, I read that book, um, in some other literature, they talk about basically how you build up um, your addiction. Like, you can drink like an addict for a little while uh, until you are actually physically dependent and truly addicted. Um, physically and emotionally dependent, maybe, and truly addicted. So, I, I believe that. I think you can drink like a fiend and not become an alcoholic, but, you know, you keep doing that, and one day that switch is going to flip. You know, my switch flipped basically the day I took a drink. Like, I just knew I was going to get as fucked up as possible forever. So it didn't really matter if I was an addict the second I took my first drink or, or later. I That was just, I was an addict since I was born, I guess. It's just part of my personality. I wanted to do it. You know, if I was going to drink, I was going to fucking do it. So, um some other facts here from the CDC website. One in six U.S. adults binge drinks, with 25% doing so at least weekly. Uh, binge drinking is just one pattern of excessive drinking, but it counts for nearly all excessive drinking. 
Well, yeah, because you said anything over five drinks. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Binge drinking is most common among younger adults aged 18 to 34. Binge drinking is more common among men than among women. Binge drinking is most common among adults who have higher household income, 75,000 or more, are non-Hispanic white, or live in the Midwest. Shout out to Ohio and um, people who make money, I guess. I never made that much money, and I was a great binge drinker. Um, But I find that interesting, you know. It must be some of that white privilege they're talking about. Make that 75K or more. And, uh, you know, comes with the territory, a little bit of binge drinking. So uh, for some groups and states, binge drinking is not as common. And I'm wondering, like, what states? Utah, probably. Uh, but those who binge drink do so frequently or consume large quantities of alcohol okay so today i learned that me and you we are probably what would be considered binge drinkers um why don't they just call it what it is alcoholism well we talked about the difference i guess um and that's what i'm saying you know if you're a binge drinker out there and you're listening to this right now you know be careful you don't flip that switch boy you'd be like me um sober and making a podcast yeah no um i don't know i learned something new i hope you did too okay and that's dear danny and that's our show for today if you want to send in a question to dear danny and be featured on the podcast write us at big year podcast at gmail.com it's all one word big year podcast at gmail.com um, also wherever you find this podcast, maybe if you have the time to take the time and give it a five star rating that increases its visibility, makes it so that people like you can listen to it and maybe gain a little something from it that I hope you've gained something from this. Um, at least a laugh, if not some deep wisdom, <laughs> uh, whatever you're feeling about what you just listened to. Thank you for listening. And see you next Wednesday night for some more of that bullshit. Uh, Remember, this is your big year. Be honest with yourself. Love yourself. Challenge yourself. Peace.